Hey guys, Tausif here, co-host of Through the Web Podcast. Just want to quickly thank you for checking in every week. It's been amazing to see the support, but I do have a request from you guys. If you've been enjoying what we do, it would be awesome if you could leave a quick five-star rating on the Spotify app. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts as well, it would be awesome if you can leave a review and a rating on there as well. All of this really helps us with the algorithm. We do this out of pure passion, so any sort of help is appreciated. Thank you again, and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Through the Web, episode 11 with me, co-host Tosif. And myself, Dagogo. And we're on episode 11. Mm-hmm. Do you know about Podfade? Pod fade. Pod fade. Or pod oh, fading? No, no, no. So no. this is a concept that's in your very popular in the podcast industry, you know, podcast industry, that after episode six, people start pod fading, which means they go into oblivion. Um, they'll be very hyped up in the first few episodes. People will make podcast episodes, release it, publish it, share yeah. about it. And just about episode five or six, they slowly start fading away. Right. Um and most never make it past episode eight or 10. And we're on 11. Oh. So we have avoided <laughs> the pot fade successfully. Wow. Look, now that just adds a, shines another new light on this. This is such an energy. I know. It's a, it's a very, very popular uh, term in the podcast industry. And um, as a podcaster myself, you know, with other things that I've done, I've, I've seen it happen with many other podcasters. Yeah. So the- is it just the fact that people go in gung-ho thinking it's going to be like easy and just get there. And then when it doesn't pan out instantly, they just... Exactly. And right. I think because the barrier to entry for podcasts is so little today, mm. all you need is, you know, a good pair of microphones um, or just one microphone, your laptop's enough. Sometimes people even use their phones, right? Mm. Um, and it's really easy to upload. You can even do it for free. You don't need a whole subscription pack or anything. But it's the building of a community that's the hardest, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not easy if you just keep publishing every now and then, um, not being consistent, uh, you'll eventually fade out. So, Mm. so far we've successfully avoided pot fade. Now Mm -hmm. it's uh, how we can get to the top 1% of podcasts in the world. That's the next fight. Okay. that's Huge fight. That's a huge one. (laughs) You climb one mountain and there's another one straight ahead of you. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, how's your week, man? What did you you get up to? Yeah, it's been a very busy week. I went on a road trip uh, to Dunsborough over the weekend. Um, The thing is being the designated primary driver, uh, while as much as I love driving, Mm -hmm. the problem is if it's a short trip, it feels like all you've done is just drive. Uh, and it was only gone for like two days. Um, And the problem is once you get back from it, uh, you know, just go straight into work, it just feels like nothing happened except driving. Right. And yeah. it, it, uh, it, like I'm feeling the effects of it still today. I'm just mm. still tired. Right. Fair enough. Um, for those of you who don't know, Dunsborough is about how, three hours. Three, three hours. hours. Yeah. Uh, if you take a bit of tops, it's like three, three and a half hours. Yeah. It's not too bad. Yeah. But I think if it's done, uh, you know, with the idea of relaxation or just a getaway thing, it yeah. just doesn't feel like, especially with the young family yeah itself, so. uh, i guess if there's any people from europe you'll be scratching your head saying like <laughs> the three, three and a half hours <laughs> like that's you know you could be in another country <laughs> that far. oh yeah, yeah yeah but wa is like a you know it's half 
of Australia and you can yeah. drive for hours and USA still be probably could relate a bit better. Yeah, a little bit better, but yeah, um, WA is a huge like it's huge bigger state. than a lot of countries. countries yeah, easily, so easily. it's it's insane. But well, glad to hear you got a little reprieve at least or something. Yeah, at least something away from the from the day to day. But yeah, I think uh, it's uh, next time. What I'll do is I'll book an extra day just to get back into the rhythm. I think that's just a lesson I learned. So, mm, how are you? Okay. How's your week? Yeah, well, speaking of traveling, yesterday I picked up my new passport, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's 10 years between passports, so I kind of forgot that I had to renew it right. because I'm going away on a trip to Europe, actually. That's right. Two trips to Europe, actually. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so, like, uh, I picked that up yesterday and uh, got that all sorted. Haven't booked anything, even though that I'm flying off in a month, so uh, going to do that. Um, so <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, kind of excited. So it's an awards night that uh, I'm going to be at, been nominated for a little something in Amsterdam. So yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Congrats. But, well, thank you. I haven't won yet, win. but <laughs> oh, still nominated. So that's good. But yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's good. Uh, you watched anything interesting lately? Seen anything? On yeah. Time? Last night I was watching, uh, this this legacy YouTuber, I forgot his name hmm. right now. I haven't watched him before, but he seems to be. He's got like six million subscribers. Just, if you just hold on a second, I'll. I'll what quickly. kind of stuff does he do? Yeah, so his name is Daniel Howell. Um, six point something million subscribers. Um, and you know he is just mostly do skits <laughs> and stuff. Okay, I see on your screen that video why I left YouTube, right? Why I quit YouTube? Yeah, yeah, why I quit YouTube? I saw that in my subscriptions. I didn't know who it was. I was like, oh, I'll watch yeah. it. I'll buy it. So, like, yeah, I was going to watch the same video. Yeah, I, I think we got the same <laughs> recommendations. <laughs> but yeah, his Daniel Hunt. I was, I was watching halfway through. It's like a really long um, hour and a half long okay. video, and it's his yeah. first video in like two or three years. Uh, he basically disappeared. Um, but the story of it is that how the early heydays of YouTube just was so much full of promise and mm-hmm. it was the wild wild west is you know you're young especially those who were doing youtube at the time were like young kids and um then the lucrative career started happening um and then it was just fame and fortune and mm-hmm. lots of attention creating content for others and i think what we're seeing slowly now and uh, the video represents it well is like those legacy youtubers are slowly trying almost in an existential kind of place where they're like oh i've done this for like 10 years or so where am i at now like what's my future like what especially if you're a solo creator where your entire livelihood is based on your name and not like a you know media company or anything like that Mm -hmm. i think it's harder to kind of you know get yourself to a point where you're in in peace and uh content about the content that you make. So I think that was a, a very interesting uh, look at, at what's happening in the world of world of YouTube. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I can kind of relate to the first part of what you were saying uh, in terms of just the YouTube landscape changing and just how different it is from the beginning. Cause I was there through the whole thing. I was watching YouTube in tw- 2006. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I was, I, I saw just how crazy it was yeah. and like people were just doing whatever they wanted. It was really free and, and just, completely different to what it is now and then I guess from that you got like edgy commentary and stuff and that kind of stuff was a big part of like a lot of that creator community but then Mm. it's like you know the filthy franks and all that they can't exist anymore in the way YouTube is now today because like even though YouTube hasn't said anything they've kind of pitched their brand image away from like broadcast yourself which they have removed to like specifically talks about the okay broadcast yourself no but it's true it's like kind of like people like in the back were like kind of 
realizing that YouTube was changing. Yeah. And then when they removed that slogan, it's like everyone's like, okay, they've kind of said it. Like we want like the polished, clean, like right. more high production and not just people just posting yeah. whatever. So like they changed, I guess, their brand image and – yeah, it's kind of like from what they've been demonetizing to what they've been saying and the rule changes and all mm. of that. You can kind of see that it's not for just people. The amateur. Like, yeah, mucking around, yeah. which which is a bit sad. Um, yeah. I have seen a few like a resurgence of some of that stuff yeah. very recently, but it's, you know, very small fry stuff. Yeah. doesn't really get the traction anymore. Mm. But yeah, so that, that's a... That's a good video. I think I should watch it. So. Yeah, I haven't finished it, but um, um, it it seems like full of value. And I think yeah, for any creator, if you're a you know if you're a creator listening, and I think it's a good uh, way of looking at the the legacy of YouTube, uh, by the creators who've who've, who've been through it all, right? And uh, what you can expect down down the line. So yeah. interesting yeah. video. What about you? Um, yeah, I've, I've watched a lot of stuff. <laughs> uh, but I guess one thing I'd I'd like to kind of touch on is like this channel called Middle Eight. So oh, I love the music stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. it's it's like a, a music kind of, um, and also the punk rock NBA. I've been watching that as well. I don't know if you've heard about him. Know. Okay, but basically, yeah. So it, it kind of goes over different bands and you know yeah. um, how they started and like you know what they're doing right or wrong and other things like that. But there was one video. Well, there's two interesting ones. Like one was on Little Nas X mm-hmm. and how he became so successful. And turns out, like, yeah, he was like a social media genius essentially. Yeah. But yes. also, he did something interesting with the Spotify algorithm. He kept like re-releasing different remixes of the same song so you could stay at the top yeah. for like so long. I was yeah. like, that's that's really interesting. Um, and also there was another video on the real meaning behind Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yep. Um, and it turns out there wasn't really a meaning. So like Dave <laughs> Grohl stated that um, basically, yeah, Kurt Cobain was just like saying things that sounded good and yeah. like, you know, um, rhymed and whatnot. Because, yeah. like, in different interviews, he'd always say something different, like it was a revolutionary song or something. And then, like, later on, it was kind of like, yeah, it didn't really have a meaning. And then Dave Grohl confirmed that. But, yeah, yeah it was just interesting to also see how that song blew up and how the yeah. idea for it came about, which I'm not sure if you know, but it was actually, like, a, a woman's deodorant called Teen Spirit. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. and then um, Kurt's girlfriend had it and sprayed it um, on him or something. And he fell asleep later and then on a whiteboard or something, she wrote, like, Kurt smells like teen spirit. And then he woke ah, up and was like, oh, that's really? that's pretty cool. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Um, Incredible. Yeah, so that was interesting, just like learning about random yeah, music stuff. Because, um, yeah, like my, my ranges aren't just technology. I like a lot of stuff. So. Yeah. I mean, you make music, so, yeah, uh, totally good. I'm, I'm very much into music myself. So on, on, on two points on that. So the one about Lil Nas X uh, kind of hacking the algorithm in some ways. Mm. Um, the reason why you see a lot of uh, big artists drop you know, 20 plus song albums today is simply because of trying to get more streams on, on Spotify. Right. So you look Makes at sense. Drake and Kanye and like, you know, Kanye's dropped like two different Donda albums and mm. Drake's releasing 20 plus albums, like little interludes, like 30 seconds is one track, right? Mm. So it, it's it's interesting how the medium shapes the yeah. art. So yeah. radio songs, for example, you know, the pop songs, have they have a formula because radio needed a certain slot at mm. the time that you can only have three minutes or yeah, two minutes, yeah. right? So, and then people started making songs to fit yeah. that medium, right? That's very I never really thought about. Yeah, that, so that, so yeah. it's it's the same like YouTube videos as well. Think mm. about how they were adding like they were having more advertisements on ten plus minute videos. So, everyone started so people started longer. making longer yeah, videos, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's interesting how technology shapes the art and content that we that we create. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's one point. The second one is if you're into music stuff, I highly recommend this podcast called Dissect. Okay. Uh, it's a Spotify original. Um and it what what this guy does is you know he goes in depth 
with one album at a time and he'll break down like each album's songs through cultural context and stuff but it's very hip hop uh, okay. focus if you've listened to any of like Kendrick Lamar or anything of that sort highly recommend that, that okay. episode cool. so thanks for the recommendation no worries um any comments of the week from you yeah sure i've got one from the bbg31 and he says yes please to go talk more about music production i'm a music producer too and your songs like ikigai and nostalgia Nostalgia Dreams, inspired to produce in your style. Who influences Burn Water Up, the artist? What are the genres? And would you consider a breakdown of those two songs on your Burn Water channel? Peace. Um, so, yeah, a, a breakdown of those songs, maybe. I think that could be very interesting. People might want to see, like, my um, the way I go about things um, in terms of, like, essentially tools to use and, like, you know, compression settings or, like, mixing and how that goes down. Um but as for influences, like, again, it's just so crazily wide. Like um, when I began, like, making stuff was, like, post-rock, I guess. Yeah. So, like, I like that big, expansive, like, kind of emotional journey. That Helios and Yeah, Sugar yeah. Ross and that kind of thing, Hammock, yeah. yeah, all of that. So that that kind of way, wave that you could ride throughout a song. Um, but then, yeah, like, as I progressed, like, I, I found, you know, like, metal stuff as well, like, very interesting, like, in terms of, like, the rhythmic – uh, areas of that and then like trance I got into that a little bit but then so like you know I'm a big fan of R&B and stuff as well so I kind of wanted to combine different elements of stuff so it's like R&B vocals and like hip-hop beats but it's like a very progressive yeah. journey in a way so it's like just combining the stuff that I like um, but as for particular artists like um, Balam Acab, um, he I think is amazing well his earlier stuff anyway um, A.G. Cook, uh, British producer, I think, um, who worked with uh, Charlie XCX a lot. Um, he's got some really good stuff. Um, Takuami, who's a Japanese producer, like he's more like um, like the post-trappish stuff, like a very big trance um, mixed with trap, like yeah. in a Japanese way. It's very interesting. Um, but, yeah, just a lot of different stuff um, that I listen to and like, you know, onto metal and stuff and like math rock and it's all – it's all everywhere, but yeah. yeah, a lot of broad stuff that I kind of draw from. So hope that answers your question. Yeah, very cool comment. I think uh, it's good to see this like different sides of of, of you trying mm-hmm. to bring it in as mm-hmm. well. Uh, it seems like we could do a, a music podcast. Okay, this is now <laughs> it's now full through the web music <laughs> podcast now. But it, it, since we're both interested, it, it could have uh, interesting angles yeah, in the future. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, not on this podcast. We won't uh, uh, you know get we won't <laughs> yeah, nerd out as much. Yeah, we, we, we're not going to try and derail. Yeah. But what about yourself? What, what comment did you? Uh, make? I like the comment from Leji. Um, Leji um, says uh, it's just great that both of you admit if you don't know enough about something and give room for the other. All the listeners to educate or inform you instead. This makes the podcast really comfortable to listen to, follow, and later research about the topics on your own. Great work, guys. Keep it on. I love this comment because I think this is something we even spoke about before we started the podcast. Like, we aren't experts per se in these topics. We are very much interested in the things that we discuss and we try to bring our own personality and our own angles to it. So this is something we consciously try and do is that if you don't know something, mm. we're not going to pretend that we do. So yeah. it's good to see some people pick that up. Mm, very nice. So the first topic of the week is that Netflix is on news again because they're being sued by its own shareholders. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, I found this a, a very interesting twist to the story. Uh, I guess just because um, not that long ago, 
Netflix was the darling of like, you know, high growth stocks, you know, yeah. this is, this is, uh, is going to keep going on forever. But um, yeah. And then they've turned around and said like, we, we don't like the performance, but the lawsuit alleges that the Netflix staff, well not staff, but the higher ups kind of yeah, lied, exists. not lied, but like misled, misled um, how well the company was actually doing. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure about the details of that, but I don't know. A lot of this kind of seems like it's not directly Netflix's fault per mm. se. Like, yes, they could have a little bit of better content. Maybe the price could be a bit lower, et cetera. But I don't know if it's warranted enough to cause a lawsuit. Because, um, yeah, yeah no, I think the law is like, you know, the companies are legally obligated to, you know, benefit the shareholders, I think. So um, that's what came That's what came out in the Elon Musk Twitter debacle. Mm. But, yeah, so I don't, I don't think – I don't know how much um, – weight it's going to have but still it's just a sign of the times for netflix and streaming in general i think so yeah i think i'm just gonna read out the the details so um the the lawsuit accuses netflix of making materially false and or misleading statements about its business operations and not disclosing to investors that it was exhibiting slower acquisition growth due to among other things account sharing by customers increased competition from other services um the company's wrongful acts and omissions led shareholders to suffer significant losses and damages um yes i think they're probably just uh, reaching a a little bit because um yeah i think i think uh, they had forecast that it would gain 2.5 million subscribers during the quarter uh and said that it was they were being healthy but instead they lost you know 200,000 subscribers Mm -hmm. over over in april where they it's the first quarter of 2022 so Gaining two point five million subscribers versus losing two hundred thousand yeah, is no, a fair bit. Th- that's, of, yeah. that's true. But then I guess you got to. What? How much did they lose from pulling out of Russia? It was a few hundred thousand. Few hundred thousand. Easy, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Like that. That is a big miss. Um, but it's not the first company in the world to ever have missed a pro- yeah, projection. Uh, it's, so it's, it's like. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they're just trying to you know uh, uh, ride on on the <laughs> the sentiment. Yeah. Yeah, on the sentiment and just just you know what's it like kicking them while while they're down kind of thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So um, yeah, but I don't know how this will, you know, how this will build a future for Netflix going forward. I think uh, obviously they are struggling, and, and you're, you're you're making a video on that yeah. as well, and going into detail. So do check it out on on the Cold Fusion channel if you're listening in. Um, but I don't know how can they come back from something that's you know it seems like everything's against them mm. usually people support uh at least something when something's down but it seems like no one's coming to save netflix yeah. like the, the subscribers the shareholders the mass media like everyone's on their back yeah no that's and i don't know it's kind of sad because netflix was the one who paved the way and exactly. changed, changed the landscape and really did a lot of things but i guess that's kind of sometimes the penalty of being first like some people come along and arguably do it better than you for less money. So it's like, um, I don't know. I guess it's just a matter of they were the first and it's just, that's that's. What about um, customer loyalty? Do you think there's there's a concept that's slowly going away uh, in terms of? More, more so than, than in, for previous generations or for whatever. Like, I guess with Netflix, it's kind of like they're just banking on people being too lazy to, to switch over. It's like, I got Netflix, yeah, like yeah. whatever. But- I think if you're basically the most expensive streaming option there is and there's so much competition, it's like eventually that's going to kind of come back to bite you. So um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure what they can do, like what the future would hold for them. Like there are ways to turn it around, but it's going to be, it's going to be quite hard. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, 
I want to move on to. Is there anything else you want to? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I want to move on to the next story. Um, it's about it's about the company Cameo. So for those who don't know, it's a company that um, takes requests from people to get personalized videos from celebrities. So they have a list of celebrities on their side who signed up to Cameo. Um, you can request like a 30-second clip from Snoop Dogg, for example, and then you yeah. pay, I don't know, the amount that they charge, and it's a personalized happy birthday message or something straight from celebrities themselves. So they became quite um, popular, especially during the pandemic as well, and they reached uh, unicorn status um, just last year. So I don't know uh, if, uh, you know, for those who don't know the, the term unicorn in the the cap- venture capital world means a company that has a valuation of over $1 billion. Mm-hmm. So just a year after reaching that unicorn status, they have now um, laid off 87 members of its staff. Uh, and it was announced um, by their CEO um, on, a, on, a, on a tweet, and I'm, I'm just going to read that out. It says, today has been a brutal day at the office. I made the painful decision to let go of 87 beloved members of the Cameo Famio. If you're looking to hire hungry, humble, smart, kind, curious learning machines who love to win, um, and you see Cameo on their resume, look no further. <laughs> look, so, did, so that's it? Like you didn't send the no, stuff? No, I'm sure there's been internal, okay, internal right. memo and stuff, okay. but this was the, the PR right. v- announcement yeah. in some ways or in fact the ceo just going out on yeah. his own twitter too but cameo famio like read the room <laughs> like this is this is not at a funeral would you go like um billy bob on, like you know it's kind of like it's kind of like, finger pointing <laughs> billy bob i mean it depends how fun billy bob was if he was a big fan of the, true, the finger point true, true. but say he was a serious guy who just got fired before he died you know you wouldn't you wouldn't do you wouldn't do this kind of stuff um well, I, I I see it as bad taste anyway, but yeah, like um, yeah, interesting. I think in the in the grand scheme of things, um, we talked about this before with the Fang stocks and everything, yeah. and how they saw such high growth during the pandemic. I think like Cameo going to unicorn status was just another um, symptom of this like overvalued stock market. Essentially, like a lot of cheap money going in. Everything roared up, and Cameo kind of just got dragged yeah, along. And with then it. we spoke about Clubhouse uh, versus yeah. Body for Red Clubhouse. Uh, was valued at this ridiculous billion dollar valuation for yeah for now. where the now yeah so so it's like can we can we now on this podcast like coin this the startup bubble like after the dot com bubble the pandemic had a lot of startup bubbles well, I don't know if that's right or not but post pandemic startup bubbles bursting yeah yeah exactly so I think the time for um, let's throw money at anything is kind of leaving and then you know we're starting to see things kind of come back to what they should be valued and. Some were quite a lot over what they should have been. So I think that's just a symptom of this. But as for the tweet, I think it's it's bad taste. <laughs> yeah, dude, I remember the tweet, especially that that cameo family part was like, <laughs> dude, like this is not the time to have your corporate culture, yeah. you know, BS on, on, on especially the the ways like you know, I've made the painful decision like mm. I, okay it's so like, I, I empathize <laughs> that okay CEOs have to take you know like it is difficult to yeah, let course, someone yeah. know that you know you're not part of the company anymore or you know pa- giving that really heartbreaking painful news so it is difficult to mm. be a CEO I get that mm. but it can't be more than somebody losing their job mm-hmm. post pandemic mm-hmm. uh, especially you know saying it like this and I think this is also uh, an indication of 
the types of CEOs we see in these companies these days, right? And even during the pandemic, I think there was this viral video of this guy. The Zoom meeting. Zoom meeting, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's this guy just letting everyone know via Zoom call that you're not going to be part of the company anymore, yeah. right? So yeah. I think it's it's this lack of empathy, this lack of understanding of what the company or what the people are really. Mm-hmm. Like 87, sure, it's a large number, but for them it, it could be just a number, right? Because yeah. they can they're looking at what's what's making the company money and what's not. And unfortunately they're not looking at them as, as human beings. So yeah. and then and this is a clear indication of that. And I think this is something you've covered in some of your videos as well. Like uh, and this is a question that, that get asked often that do CEOs need to be the way they are, like like absurd, aggressive, weird, um <laughs> like the we work <laughs> dude, right? The CEO, I forgot his name. Adam Neiman. That guy. Um <laughs> he's got a whole show dedicated yeah, to no, him now yeah. on Apple I, TV. I think a year after, yeah. Yeah, I got, I got an Apple TV. Okay. Some really good shows in there. But yeah, yeah that um CEOs like that, mm. right? Like like it seems like, you know, Steve, um, Steve Jobs and uh, the Zuckerbergs and the Elon, but like there's, there's something. Yeah. So it's like, them. is there just a regular guy that's a CEO? I don't, I don't know. Like Jeff Bezos, like <laughs> everyone, like all the, the big CEOs have seem seems to have this this tendency. Mm. Um, but I don't know if if you become that once you get into that position, or you need to bet. I, 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 I think you have to have something. Like so a, bit I, of a psychopath. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm he, I'm hesitant. I'm hesitant to to say that. But there needs to be some kind of eccentricity. Yeah. Uh, I don't know which angle it's pointing. If it's psychopath or like whatever angle it's pointing, that I think there needs to be something for you to break it out. But I don't know what the correlation is, or if it's just I'm not sure. I'm but. sure that there's some sort of study mm. uh, out there. Probably interesting to to look into it. Yeah, like like yeah. what does the study say about CEOs and the companies that yeah. they build and their personal personal traits. Yeah, but I think um, w- there's that like for the really big stuff. And then there's the the startup CEOs who have this like hustle culture and just yeah. like work everyone into the ground. And it's like, you know, all they care about is the numbers. And then they have this cult around like different languages that their, their business is going to use. Like, yeah, for example, this, the, yeah. the Cameo, Cameo Famio and, and stuff like that, where it's like, I don't know, it reminds me of uh, yoga, like, what is it? Like latte sipping yoga. Yeah, woman, yeah, the, like like that kind of cultish girl like, boss, yeah, uh, vibe. Yeah, so it, it's interesting, um, and I don't know why that's happening. Either, What's uh, did you ever drink the the Gary V Kool Aid? Um, so I didn't, but I I I guess partnered with someone for my Instagram who was like, "What you got to do is like um, product funnels or whatever, yeah. like where it's like you like snip up pieces of content yeah. or whatever, and it's like it didn't work." But like, what's your like? take on, on Gary, on Gary V. Yeah. I think he has some good advice, but I think some of the stuff he says is um, not so good. In se- essentially like the hustling and like, you got to break your back and yeah. do all of this and that. And, yeah. Yeah. So I definitely drank the, the Gary V Kool-Aid like okay. 2014, 2015. Yeah, so I first found him. Yeah. Uh, he, he wasn't as big as, as he, he was still very big in, in certain culture. But today if you go on TikTok and YouTube, like he's being shat on like by everyone, like he's being, made fun of and all right yeah like finally people are like i also like he was one person who i didn't see get made fun of as much mm. but slowly this year last couple of years i've been seeing a lot of that so my take on it is because um i've kind of seen his growth a little bit uh it is true that he does say a lot of weird weird stuff and some of it is just crazy mm. weird right uh but i think a lot of people also miss the context like when he says uh, you got to break her back kind of thing. He His bottom line has always been that if you 
complain that you're not in a good place, then you got to work. But if you're happy, I'm not telling you to break or do everything that I tell you. Mm-hmm. You just, you don't listen to me kind of thing. Right. Um, he literally said, don't listen to me. If you're, if you've got it, you've got it together. Right. But if you want to get it together, this is what's worked for me. Right. This is what I think you should And like, you got to, you know, you can't hate him for giving out advice, but I think sometimes maybe the execution could be. I agree. I agree. And I think, I think this is where that, that, ex, that accents, eccentricity. Yeah. I'm 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 done with talking for the day. <laughs> uh, uh, that's where that 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 shows up for a lot of these CEOs because he's a CEO himself, mm-hmm. um, and I think that little character trait uh, is is very present in CEO. So yeah. I guess you gotta be taking these advices with a bit of grain of salt. Yeah. Well, let's let's put a pin on this and say we gotta come back with a study about CEOs. Yeah, and, I think we'll just we'll, we'll do that for but, the next but, episode. But I am pretty sure though. So just one last thing that like sociopaths were more likely to be a CEO. Mm. Like, you know, not caring about other people's emotions or being attached to them and just like using other people to get your I way. That's that's also about being a leader. Like if you go back, like, like who would command like big soldier packs and stuff like that needed to get themselves removed from the emotions. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you got to take decisions that are not emotional based. And I think you're right. And, mm. But I'd, I'd definitely go back and check a study and come back next week. All right. See how it's going to look like. Yeah. The next story of the day is uh, Apple versus the European Union. Um, it's not the first time they've gone head to head, but this time um, Apple's been hit with an antitrust accusation by the European Union over its exclusion of rivals from its Apple Pay mobile payment system. The commission takes issue with the decision by Apple to prevent mobile wallets app developers from, from accessing the necessary hardware and software. Uh, on its devices to the benefit of its own solution, Apple Pay. Interesting. Um, what about Samsung Pay? Do they allow other competitors? I don't know. Because um, that, well, as you were saying that, I was thinking about that. And I was like, if they don't, then what grounds? Thing. Yeah, what grounds is there? But I think they probably do, which is why he's mm. taking this uh, straight at Apple. Okay, I, that's an assumption. I'd assume so. But yeah. Um, it's just like everything else Apple does, mm. this this exclusion of other parties. Um, so it's not a surprise that they've done this. Um, and I think the EU and Apple are kind of butting heads a lot. Like that uh, USB-C yep. debacle, that was another thing. Instead of lightning adapters, the EU wants Apple to use USB-C for consumer benefit, um, which is good. I think that's a good thing to do. But um, it's Apple that we're talking about here. Yeah. And they've just had the biggest walled garden on hardware and software and how there's interplay and just keeping everyone outside the wall. So um, maybe this will be a first domino to fall in the business model that Apple's been so diligently um, keep upkeeping. So I'm not sure. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, uh, as more and more countries and, and uh, get take interest in, in consumer protection, uh, we'll see more of these, these happen. I think Apple also lost this um this uh accusation battle or loss of battle in brazil mm. uh I, I gotta get my terms right but i think it was about the chargers um so how you know apple doesn't add chargers anymore the the all oh, right yeah okay. the acquisition the was yeah. yeah that what if it's a new consumer who's never bought an apple product um they won't have an, have a charger and they, they have to pay an extra something on top right so so i think the, the conversation was that the charger is part of the of the entire pack. But remember, in the nineties, for every kid's toy, batteries sold separately. Like true. I, I I don't know. Like 
I believe that these are very subtle things. Um, I don't know maybe if like consumer protection has just heightened that much, but I feel mm. like, you know, a few decades ago, if this was some other company, like there wouldn't be that much. Yeah. I think again, being the, the big behemoth you yeah, are, and I guess in, it's the, size. the tech world, yeah. you will get like arrows and targets. Yeah. Demand. I think that's, that's probably more closer to it. So it's more the fact that Apple's become so large and it's like they're, do, they're still trying to, you know, um, keep that power. And I guess like, yeah, some governments don't like that. Um, yeah, okay. Well, I, I think it's it's yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I'm not sh- I'm not sure how this is going to go. Like Apple has the big like a lot of lawyers, so <laughs> they can argue anything really. So yeah, but um, I think we were want, wanting to do a separate episode on 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 Apple in itself. Is that if they're losing? Yeah, their, their I had touch a lot to say well. on that, but, in, but we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll keep yeah keep an eye and ear out for for that one. We'll in the future we'll do an exclusive mm-hmm. episode just on on Apple. But I think for this story specifically, um, with the with the NFC input, I think um, the the, the just going to read out the the final part of it. Mm-hmm. It says that today's statement of objections takes I- issue. Only with the access to NFC input by third-party developers of mobile wallets for payments in stores, so it's it's uh, mostly about allowing third parties to be able to um, get into the uh, mobile wallets for payments. So I I don't know how they might play this one out. Mm-hmm. I feel overall um, you probably will get their way in, in this case mm-hmm. uh, because I think um, more and more. Uh, you know, uh, EU sp- specifically is very adamant towards protecting uh, its, its citizens and its consumers. And so. and even moreover, though, the, the potential consequences that the EU could blow on Apple could be, like they could say, all right, every every Apple device with an NFC chip, you can't sell here. Like, mm. you know, what would that do? So it's kind of like, yeah, the, the EU could get their way if, if um, they really put their weight and throw it around. So yeah, and, yeah. and like I said, like they've been fighting against Apple previously. Even like they've been issuing warnings to Elon Musk about about Twitter. We decided we weren't going to bring him up <laughs> this this episode. He just he just makes his way somehow. <laughs> so well, you mentioned him. You mentioned. I him. mentioned him finally. It's like you know, we've talked so much about him in the last few weeks. I wasn't going to mention him this week, but it just finds his way. Uh, but that's it. I promise. No more. Yeah. No okay. more in this episode. Yeah. Um, next up is uh, something we touched on few episodes ago uh just about last month was uh, the historic win by the amazon um union um uh, the first time where they uh you know a group of amazon warehouse workers uh fought against the anti-union situation against amazon and they had a great um uh, voting towards uh, in favor of, of a union but Going ahead, uh, just this week, uh, news came out that um, the workers for a second warehouse, uh, well, the it was overwhelmingly overwhelmingly rejected a union bid on Monday, uh, dealing a blow to organizers who last month pulled off the first successful U.S. organizing effort in the retail giant's history. This time around, warehouse workers cast 618 votes, or about 62%, against the union, giving Amazon enough support to fend off a second labor win as the tech giant continues to try and overturn its first loss. So this is the second Amazon warehouse at um, Staten Island that said no to a unionizing mm. effort. So it was the staff that obviously had a vote and said no. That's right. So um, I think a lot of people say that Amazon is kind of doing some brainwashing behind the scenes. It's kind of like, you know, they're scared to speak up because, you know, 
they could be prosecuted. And it's like, don't mention these. They've yeah. got like a list of words not to mention. Yeah. It's like, if you see people like, you know, grouping together and stuff, like yeah. report to your superior and all yeah. this, like, yeah. it's like crazy. But um, yeah, all that aside, in terms of the trajectory of what this means for Amazon, um, mm, like to have one go through and then the second one rejected and then the first one maybe be withdrawn. Mm. Not sure the legal, how that, that will work legally, but um, I don't know. Like it, it's, it's, it's showing that there's like a, um, a change and a shift happening, but it's almost like it's not yet. It's like maybe in the future, like this, like it will break through again. But mm. as for the time staying, maybe like Amazon will just kind of hit back and keep their, Grip on the slaves, which work there. <laughs> and no, no offense to anyone working for Amazon. Like you guys doing a great job. Uh, I think obviously the the conversation again, without going to political about it, is, is union versus big corp, right? Um, unionizing um, has obviously had some big impact. Like I, I know that we have a nine to five because of of union and, and labor rights mm. protection. Um, Didn't know that. Right? Yeah, they, like they they fought for uh, having a standard uh, hour schedule for workers. Um, uh, but other than that, uh, today it's obviously a big heated de- debate uh, about about the whole thing. And I think what it starts doing is I think the first one when uh, they, they won against Amazon, it was a big historic movement. I think uh, I saw the news about it everywhere. Like people were cheering, people were booing, or depending on which side you were on on the, on the story. Um, but given that this, they're losing the second one, I think it puts a big dent on the first one now. And I think this will potentially stop it from growing any further because now the Amazon has enough leverage to say, hey, look, even the second Staten Island warehouse is, is not with them. Why would you want to be with with someone who's, you know, can't even get the, the second in the same kind of area, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's, uh, that's going to work for Amazon. And I think that maybe this is the end of the line for, for LU. But maybe... Um to maybe quash these kind of things happening again, we could end up seeing some compromises. So yeah. Amazon might be like, okay, instead of having to pee in your bottle on the <laughs> conveyor line, you can go to the toilet. You know, yeah, well, not, and then not, that's the whole point it, of a I'm union. I'm exaggerating. No, no, of course, yeah, of course. Yeah. So we we do take things a bit, <laughs> bit uh, on an exaggerated level here, but um, I think. Uh, uh, the whole point of union is that so you don't have to pee in a bottle while yes. you're working, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't. Ha- you're not given like an eight minute, you know, uh, break and with a big robot looking over your shoulder. <laughs> if it's eight oh one and there's like a big shotgun right at your back, kind of thing. I mean, that's a dystopian world. Some of the sci-fi has built for us, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why did you have to go there? Man? It was so unexpected. Was like, was so unexpected, like a robot with a shotgun. Oh, shit. 801. Sorry, <laughs> man. Time's up. He dies and then you go to the funeral of Billy Bob. It's Billy Bob. <laughs> <laughs> he died. That's how he got fired. Um, but no, I think uh, it's, um, it is it is going to be quite uh, difficult for another one to continue from here. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Um. Moving on to the next news, uh, a bit of VR news. Mm. I've got virtual reality news for you. Uh, and it's about a technology that can make you feel spiders crawling on your mouth. So <laughs> I have a lot of questions. <laughs> why, one, why? And two, how? And three, who? <laughs> like, 
Four, why again? <laughs> Look, um, so I think it's it's obviously the idea of VR um, is, I think we talked about this a uh, few episodes back as well, where I said that the, the, the final frontier for VR is to hijack the, the sense. Every sense, right? Yeah. Every sense, right? Mm-hmm. And touch and feel is the final part, which it's difficult to replicate. Um, so I think this is the, the part that they're working towards. So the device works by, by bombarding the lower half of your visage with harmless ultrasound waves from 64 tiny transducer, transducers, um, building up enough pressure that it actually dents your skin. Um, this is the told by, the, the, by, by Shen, who co-authored a yet to be peer-reviewed paper about the, the tech. Um, the device has some limitations though. While it can replicate disconcerting experiences like a tiny spider um, running across your mouth, the device won't be able to generate enough forces, enough for simulate a punch or slap for better or worse. So Will Smith uh, <laughs> probably won't be able to use it. Um, it can however replicate the sensation of you taking a sip of coffee, a puff of cigarette, or even brushing your teeth. So there's a video of it. I'll put it up on um, on the YouTube channel. So those who are listening in only, do check out our YouTube channel to watch the video. It basically uh, is a VR game of, of this woman going through uh, a forest um, with, a, with a gun, um, and it's like a forest full of spiders. So if a spider jumps on her, on her face, like that's what the VR sees, it just cuddles around your, your, your mouth. So I think... The, the concept of it is how obviously fear and all this kind of stuff mm. plays well into VR. Mm. Um, I think the early VR games you know, are roller coasters yeah. or jumping or walking across this big plank mm-hmm. on a building. So I think that extreme adrenaline is replicated with, with spiders is the first use case. Yeah. But what I like about it was interesting, you know, you take a sip of coffee, puff of cigarette or even yeah. brushing your teeth. I, I think even beyond this, I'm actually more most fascinated at the, the method. Yes. Like, so... I need to understand a little bit about how this works. Is it like you have track a room tracking and no, then so, so again I'll I'll show you the, the, the thing. It's basically it's got this little um like pointers mm-hmm. uh, right across the VR headset okay. that go straight around your mouth. Okay, so it's just a facial thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so cigarette and coffee is a normal. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I think that's 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 interesting. That's new. I haven't ever thought or heard about that kind of mm. um, uh, tactile feedback method. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think I think that's kind of cool. Like, um, although the limitation is just around your your mouth, but you can imagine. I guess I don't know if you've seen those haptic gloves that have like little like gestures. No, not so much, but like hyd- not hydraulics, but like uh, what would you call it? Like um, ligaments, like this. Right, right, so yes. essentially, like when you touch something, it stops where it would. Yep. So you combine that with the subtle textures of like this ultrasonic sound, you can you could have something pretty convincing. I think, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe just in the hands and the face. But I think that that's yeah, it could, because it's not touching you mm. like for the face part anyway, yes. and it's got like it's just purely that sensation. I yeah. think that would be quite powerful. Yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah, that's that's a really cool innovation. I'd, I'd like to look more into that. Yeah. yeah, I think it's like I said, it's, it's yet to be peer reviewed um, yeah. as well. So this is obviously the very early, early stages mm. of, of the tech. But again, you know, like the early stages kind of sometimes pave the way for it to be much more grand uh, yeah. on the line. So I think it does show a lot of promise, especially mm. uh, again with the video, which I'll, which I'll put it on the on the YouTube channel. Uh, it does have quite a convincing use case from mm. what it looked like. So yeah. yeah, it should be an interesting one. Yeah, for sure. All right. Moving on. Um, the thing we talked about uh, 
again, it was this video you watched about logos, about corporate logos. Uh, how you you hate corporate? Uh, uh, it wasn't. It, was, it wasn't the logos. It, it was the. Oh wait, well, I think there was a video on logos that we talked about. It was more the art style. Art, as well. art style yeah, as well. But, yeah. Uh, but the topic here today is that the Meta logo has been sued, uh, and it was coming because uh, as soon as the Meta logo was announced, I saw like thousands of memes of of like stock images of infinity symbols that's, that look like Meta, the Meta's M. Right. Uh, and funnily enough, it's actually a non-profit blockchain developer called Definity, mm. whose, whose logo looks very similar to Meta. They've sued the Meta platforms uh, incorporated in California federal court this Friday, alleging a new logo adopted by the company formerly known as Facebook will cause consumer confusion with its own infinity symbol logo. Um, the lawsuit said Meta's logo is confusingly similar, um, especially because Meta also outlined uh, plans to adopt blockchain technologies in an internal memo, which would add to the likelihood of confusion between the company. So similar product offerings, similar logos, uh, lawsuit in the hands of Mr. Zuckerberg. I have to see the logos. Have you seen them? Like I have not seen them, but we will see it right now. Yeah. Oh, no. Colors are all different. Meta logo is a bit more compressed. That's just a, that is an infinity symbol. Symbol like you can't really patent that. You know, yeah. like you can't patent a square. It's <laughs> try me. <laughs> I want to patent a square. Now. Yeah, but yeah, you know, like Meta is like yeah. I, I, I mean, don't think so. I, I think it's the colors that are different. But if you do do like let's say, would you say this is similar in any way? Like a black and white version. Because no, when I see Meta, I actually see that M because it's compressed, yeah. you know? Yeah. But that that's just an infinity symbol, which is, yeah. you know, that's... Mm. So, so you do... So you don't I, think I've got a I don't... I, I think a reasonable judge wouldn't rule that. Mm. That's just my opinion. Yeah, no, uh, but I think uh, the idea of, of Meta going into this, because this is not the first logo that looks like that. You know mm. what I mean? Like that, that infinity symbol is such a common theme across logos like just go into any stock logo stuff and right infinity mm. you'll see that everywhere yeah so i think uh you're right in saying that you you can't really do that but then what if another you know a few other companies start making similar logos to meta would meta then have a ground on well so yeah that's what i'm saying like so the differentiating factor with the meta logo is that it's squished to look like an m so yeah. like if another company did an infinity logo that's fine but if yeah. they truncated their their logo a little bit to look like mm. that kind of m shape then i'd say that's infringing yeah so obviously this is what a matter for the courts and what they decide but just in from a logical point of view i think that's what makes sense what do you think about logos in general trying to be so you know simplified i think i think we briefly talked about mm. it in, in another video but it's getting to a point where there's this losing all, all all characters, right? And I think it, it, to the point, it's just going to be simple shapes or just fonts at this point. Yeah, um, I think that's been a trend for a long time. Um, and why it happens, I'm not so sure. Like maybe you could say that like skeuomorphism, skeuomorphism when it was like around in the iPhone because that was such a popular product, it yeah. like transferred like everything to all design. Like, you know... Um, but then again, yeah, no, no. Because, like, I was, I was thinking about Windows, like, XP and stuff, and that was, like, around the same time. Mm. So, like, maybe our software kind of changes, and then when everything went flat on the software side, the logos kind of did. Yeah, and that is true. It's, it's the same 
same argument or argument with the same idea of the medium defining the art form, yeah. which is but like I was just about to say is I don't know if there's some undercurrent that's kind of taking both of them along with it, or if they're related. So I'm not sure, but right. that the, there's something that makes everything like move in a certain direction, and I don't know why now is the time to be simple. Um, I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, I think like, it's just that as I mentioned, I think the other video as well, where you have to think of something as, as little as a 10 by 10 pixel yeah, on the yeah. on the website versus blowing it up all the way mm-hmm. to be seen from billboards right yeah. everything that fits between those uh, and then you've got the different sizes of device screens mm-hmm. uh is, is is the use case for, yeah. for it that's true i guess like you know since everyone or well, a lot of people are consuming stuff on their phones which have you know, an average five inch, six inch screens, like you yeah. got to make sure your logo is legible in, in yeah. for millions of people. Um, yeah. So that makes sense. But um, I think it's also just like an aesthetic choice that like society views favorably, like in the seventies, like we wouldn't be wearing plain shirts. Yeah. We'd have like stuff everywhere and yeah. all, logos, logos were like that too. But yeah. then, you know, now it's just. I think that because the tech stuff are looked at, you know, as the as the frontier of innovation and mm. future forward thinking. I think this is why everyone else is trying to adapt or adopt that mentality as well with their with their own design. So, mm. um, but what's uh, interesting is I think this really puts Nike logo on a different, you know, whole whole level because obviously Nike's brand is all is is amazing. Uh, how they brand themselves over the over the decades, one of the strongest companies in the world, mm. easily. But if you look at the Nike logo, it's it hasn't been changed. It's mm-hmm. the same, and it's it's so powerful because of how simple it was. And I think people will say that now, in hindsight, it's very forward thinking because they never really had to do much to it, really. Yeah, um, <clears throat> there's. I'm not sure what what class it is or like what you call it, but I think it's like modern furniture like the stuff that came out in the 1930s and everything yes. if you look at it now or like appliances or whatever because they were so simple like and didn't have any frills of the time like they always look modern yeah. like yeah, exactly. no matter what so it's yeah. i think it's the same thing so maybe maybe we're just starting to realize that that simple can be timeless and whatever but then it kind of you know it leads to that problem of everything being generic and yeah, then yeah are we going to just stay with like flat shapes forever? <laughs> but also I think another interesting thing is how people react to a change. Yeah. I've never seen a successful <laughs> brand change where people haven't hated on it. Yeah, um, that that's true. Um, but I've, there was one very clever example by Amazon to kind of like get around that. I think they had, um, I think I'm getting the story right, but back in the early 90s they had like their – homepage and it was like bright yellow mm. and then they decided to make it white and then like the next day everyone revolted and said this is the worst thing ever but then what they decided to do is like the coders they would make the web page a little bit less yellow every mm. every day so like for like a year it like was slowly getting less well, and less yellow and turned to white and then no one noticed and it was like yeah it's good <laughs> so um yeah i think it's just maybe people are just like scared of change it's, it's the oldest thing in the book but I don't know why, but it's like yeah, maybe it like breaks what they're comfortable with. It's like, oh, I knew what that thing was, and it's not that anymore. That kind of unsettles me. I yeah. I'm not sure why, but yeah, I think the thing it is a it is an evolutionary thing as well. We're just not uh, adapted, like we're not uh, programmed to like change mm-hmm. uh, because we seek comfort in, in a lot of ways. So any change, especially for something we've been using, looking at, is met with a bit of hostility. Like any logo, like the amount of memes that I've seen with the meta 
uh, logo change, like mm. you know, just upside down Spider Man, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. It's yeah. like it's people in the the. I remember when Pepsi changed the logo, it was like it was getting a lot of a lot of hate at the time. So yeah, I don't know if it's just uh, because there's no objective way to say a logo is. I mean, there is no objective way to say if it's, if it's getting the function right over mm. form. Um, but yeah, I, it's just the reactions always baffle me. Yeah, yeah, that that's a good one. Try and think of a a, a company that. Changed the logo and it had a positive reaction. I can't think of one now, but I'll just mm. keep thinking. Segway into the next topic is a company's logo, which I actually don't like, which is TikTok. I actually hate the logo. Really? Yeah. It's, it's just a weird, I, I, it's, it's bad. I kind of like it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Why? The whole, what do you call it? That that triple color thing. Um, I like the RGB branding. Yeah, that's, that's yeah I like the RGB branding, but the logo itself and the font that they use uh-huh. seems very amateur, amateur to me. Well, I think we <laughs> see this. Uh, well, let me actually let me have another proper look at it and see if I TikTok logo. Yeah. Okay. The fonts. The fonts a little, a little yeah, wack. Like the font and also like what does it represent? Like is that like what because, is it? Because it was it used to be um, musically Julian. Well, Julian combined with. Um, Musically, I'm not sure if Julian ah, was the word, okay. but like, so, the, so it was the a two dance. logos, right? So that's the that's the music note. Is yes, that what it yeah, is? yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. I, thought, I also thought it was like a wacky T. What? Yeah, I, I, oh, I, like, I clearly saw that was a music note from the, from the get go. Oh, it's a T. How? It's like you know the, the little, like a D or a T or something like that. Like, nah, like I, I, I don't know how. Like weird. Okay, interesting. Um, but anyway, uh, now, now that I look at it, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yes. um, arguments aside, um, <laughs> there is a story coming out from The Verge saying that TikTok will start to share ad revenue with creators. Um, and they say TikTok is opening up a new way for creators to make money. The company plans to start a cut to start sharing a cut of revenue with top creators when their videos run alongside certain ads. The program mirrors how YouTube pays out creators and could lead to a more significant payout from the platform, which has yet to offer a substantial way for creators to make money. The new program called TikTok Pulse also allows ads to specifically run alongside the top 4% of all videos on TikTok. The company wrote in a blog post, um, creators would have to have at least 100,000 subscribers to be eligible and TikTok is basically going to be splitting the revenue 50-50, 50-50, which is uh, quite similar to what YouTube does. Wow, okay. Uh, it sounds uh, definitely better than their TikTok fund that they used to have, where it's <laughs> yeah. like this limited pool of dollars that everybody's just shared, and every yeah. time you'd go get bigger, more people in, the share would be less and less. Yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely a better approach than that. But I um, I don't know how much. Like, I'd love to see the numbers, numbers. that people. Yeah, obviously it hasn't hasn't been uh, stated yet. But I assume because it's such short content, um, it would be less. I mean, they've got three minutes, and then I think they're looking at ten minute videos as well. Yeah. I haven't seen much ten minute videos on TikTok to be honest. If it's live, I think it should be live by now. But if it isn't, I haven't seen many. Mm. And if even if there is, I don't think I'd be spending ten minutes on a on an app. Like even on YouTube, I don't watch. Like I'm not gonna watch that one hour, thirty minutes long video on my phone. I'm gonna right. watch it on my computer or yeah. TV, right? Yeah. Um, I'm the same, except iPad I might might be able to. Yeah, play. iPad's probably a bit bit more. Um, but yeah, the thing that just uh, look, I, I'm stuck in 2016, but vertical videos, man. Like for some reason, like 
they irk me, especially for long, mm-hmm. longer content. Like, I don't know. It's like, remember Quibi? Like watching, watching 10, 15 minute vertical videos. It's like, mm. I don't know. It's a strange. I think it's, it's a bit of adapt- adaptability as well. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I used to make jokes about taking videos vertically. You remember the whole, whole meme, like, ah, uh, horizontal video versus vertical video. Yeah. You can't like taking a vertical video was a sin. In this, yeah. You know, I'm still there. Yeah. Like, I haven't, I haven't moved my head from that. Yeah. But I think, I think stories and Snapchat helped me get into, you know, being more adaptable yeah. to, to that concept. But, but I guess like, you know, when you're having vertical videos, I think that's very suited to people's faces and like they're like standing up and that kind of mm. stuff. So that's why you get a lot of dancing and a lot of like, you know, back and forth between people yeah. like that. But it's kind of, I think it's kind of shaped the content in a certain yeah, way. Yeah, I think you're right. I think say a cold fusion video wouldn't work mm. vertically mm. Uh, mainly because, you know, of the, of the type of information you just show and, and say. And, and I think it needs that cinematic approach, which is horizontal wide ratio, right? You want like a film, a feature length film vertically would be a horrible experience. <laughs> so I think a, a short well, form- does, There'll be, someone's gonna make it. I know, I'm sure there is, they're yeah. ready, uh, but it would be interesting to see how how I like it. I think for short form content, for stories, I think it, it's great. And I think there's, you can be artsy and creative with that format. I've seen like one of my favorite creators is called American Baron on, on TikTok. Like he makes cinematic pieces, like short philosophical cinematic, beautiful. Like okay. I'll send some of the stuff to you. Um, but other than that, it's like, you know, those are few and far between, right? Mm. Uh, it's also very heavily relying on on people's facial expressions, um, human beings, and less about like, you can't have a landscape video on a vertical, like you have to yeah. like, just kind of pan the entire thing yeah, to yeah, show. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So, but about the about the the creator fund itself, I think it'll be interesting to see how much actually the the top percentage of people make because on TikTok the the, the it's actually easier to get a lot of views, um, but it's totally different to YouTube because on YouTube you're more connected to the creator, on TikTok you're more connected to the feed. So I don't go back and check. So I use TikTok as a, use, as a lurker, so which means I don't post as much. But I don't go back to the creators' profiles and, and check out what they have posted over the last few weeks, kind of thing, right? I there's a for you page, which is the the central feed. Um, I'm just there, just just you know whatever comes my way, I'll I'll, <clears throat> I'll kind of watch. So, mm. so I guess the biggest creator on TikTok is the algorithm. In some ways, yeah. <laughs> do, do you use TikTok, Britain? Yeah, a little bit. I tried to make some stuff that's like relevant to what I do, but it's um, it's hard to engage people. You know what I mean? If you're with, with specific type of content, it's more focused on trends and yeah. Because you're you're you make your cinematic in some ways because you know you're into filming and photography. So how does that impact your TikTok use versus YouTube? Oh, it's it's completely different. Like you, you can't really, I mean, you can, you can just go and make a, a phone sized version, a nine by 16 version of a video you've done elsewhere. And I tried that, but it doesn't, I mean, again, unless you've got a ton of followers that, that are people who specifically want that, you're not mm. going to get any views on it. You know, the most right. I got was like 700 on a random astrophotography clip and that was about it. Um, but 
yeah, I, I feel like it's it's just for short hits yeah. of engagement and that's it. You and can't then, really do anything long form. Yeah, and then tr- and then the trending sounds as well, I think is what picks up a lot of the, the stuff. But when it blows up, it blows up. And I think that's the mm. the thing I want to Yeah, in a way, a bit of a lottery. It's like the, the winnings are huge, so yeah, a lot of people exactly. play. So And I think yeah. one little hack that people use is they'll start a video vertically and then after two seconds they'll say, rotate it now. And then they'll sync it to the music. So you have to kind of do that uh, so so they kind of use little hacks like that to right to bring in some Look, horizontal stuff yeah i'm an old man that, that's that's the verdict <laughs> I, I just i don't know like TikTok You're is just old another, man tick just another world man <laughs> um just on the realm of TikTok, i actually want to end uh we're, we're going to go into the q a that people have asked uh from, from the last one last week but i'm going to go into a feel good news of the day that involves a TikToker. so there's a TikTok star uh called becca moore she's a basically a bona fide you know her TikTok yeah. star no 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 i've, I've heard uh, heard this story you've heard the story already yeah, yeah, yeah. right so okay. uh basically she's um a bit of a bona fide celebrity has over a million followers if i'm not mistaken um she went to coachella um coachella and then she was uh you know being followed by this random dude loses her phone her purse everything wallet wallet, her keys to her rental car Mm. um basically the guy who was uh, you know after after her stole everything from her she was stranded um the hospital hospital sorry the hotel staff were kind enough to give her uber ride uh pay for uber ride uh from the point to the uh hotel and this is where the story gets interesting so the uber driver uh goes in um and asks her about the situation and instead of uh just simply going to the police which they did and they weren't very helpful the uber driver took it on himself to find the crook and there was lots of uh back and forth they ended up actually not finding the guy but finding the the stuff yeah. that was located and this was through a lot of conversations and a bit of spying not spying but more like you know espionage yeah kind of level yeah, yeah. <laughs> um to solving a bit of a puzzle and mystery by the uber driver um but the the thing why i wanted to uh, talk about this specifically is because the uber driver um he uh has a daughter who is suffering from cancer and his father was also suffering from cancer at that time. And he was doing extra shifts to make uh, that, you know, make that extra buck to help with treatment and chemotherapy. And when Becca heard about the story, she started a GoFundMe page on her profile. And today they have raised over $150,000 uh, to, to help the, the Uber driver. Um, during that whole ordeal, uh, his father actually passed away. So they couldn't, um, uh, uh, you know, use that money for his treatment, but majority of it will go um, to his daughter and um, for the funeral services for his father. So very shortened version of the story. And I want to say that because we cover a lot of dystopian stuff, but I thought this is the power of the internet. And I think this is a yeah. brilliant uh, story. This is, yeah, we need more of this. And I think this is the the good side of people coming out and coming together for a common good. So it's like we see so much arguing and people wanting to beat each other up online, but it's like there are good people out there. But I think it's just maybe they're silent. They don't want to get involved in stuff and, you know, they still want to do good. So it's it's good to see this kind of stuff happen um, and I think we need more of it. And I hate to bring a bad thing into this, but there's also like people that do this but just scam. Yeah. Like it's like, oh, you know, I need 
money for cancer. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, the amount of scams and GoFundMe is insane. Yeah, so um, there's that too. But like, at least this one had a happy ending. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that's the 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 thing is like we don't hear these stories a lot and yeah, even if we do yeah, yeah. they're always kind of like you know uh very hard to hard to find between yeah. all the negatives because so. i think we've talked about this before but positive stories just do worse yeah like you know for example on my channel <laughs> I, I covered some positive stuff like for example um you know the spinal implants video and that was um you know amazing it's like oh this new technology that had like perfected technology that had been around for a while and had people walking after just one day after the surgery and like you know they're walking like one kilometer and they were completely paralyzed before then that video performed the worst out of all my videos in about three years <laughs> and then like i make a scammer video and people are like woo yeah it's like guys <laughs> i think we spoke <laughs> People literally celebrating, <laughs> popping up champagne bottles, like, oh, there's another scam video today. Uh, but no, I think you spoke about this, about the mentality of, of human beings in general. I think that somehow our interests peak when we look at things falling apart. Yeah. But when things are doing well, I think we there's the dopamine hit where mm. we enjoy it. Like, oh, okay, it's, it's good, but look at this guy. <laughs> but may, maybe it's because like, you know, throughout history, humans like have been made to struggle and nothing was ever easy. So it's kind of maybe we're always looking for that conflict or that thing that, you know, I don't know. It's just a, just a but theory. I think there's also the idea of, of just the positive people. Like, again, like when you compare with trolls, for example, like the comments that people leave, like the negative stuff, right? Like, for example, you, you follow a lot of you know, people you look up to, right? Like on YouTube, um, in the music world, there's people I'm sure you, you know, you love and respect, right? How many times have you gone on out of your way to leave a comment or share their work to someone else and say, oh, this piece of content changed my life? Like, like out of- it's, 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 been, it's been rare, but I have done it. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's what I mean, right? But there's probably more people like you than there are trolls, I feel. And right. I think the trolls are always louder. And I think yeah. that's where, it is. yeah, it, it feels like there's always negative, negative, negative. And yeah. We spoke about this a few times on the show already, yeah. but I think it's it's um, one thing, I guess, to to leave. Uh, well, people to, with. just before yeah. we get to that, just before the, the beautiful bow on the end to wrap yeah. it up. Um, speaking of scammers, I have my first Twitter impersonator trying to scam people. That's right. I saw your tweet. Yeah. So like, he has he had got like almost six hundred followers. And wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it had my my face, and then it like had Cold Fusion underscore TV, but the those two ends. That was the only difference. So some people fell for it, but yeah. So like I, I was getting all these messages, like saying, "Hey, like it happened really quick. Like, oh, like there's some guy trying to scam you." And then people posted on my like Twitter timeline, and then I was like, "What the hell?" So then I asked everyone to report him, and the good news is, it's gone. Like they suspended it's the time account. for the verification. I know. I'm check. working on it. I'm working for all of them. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. No, <laughs> TikTok. Look, I'm, I'm probably going to regret that, but yeah. No. Yeah, and I was just going to say, like, if, if we were to kind of leave the, the whole story with one one last thing is that uh, the takeaway is that always leave good comments if you feel like it. I think yep. um, start with this video. We'll see, see what happens yeah. if people uh, abide by that. Speaking of comments slash questions, mm -hmm. tried to get to a segue there as we end the show. <laughs> we did ask for a few questions from you guys, from the listeners. So if you're listening in the audio um, only, uh, we asked the questions on Twitter. So we've got a through the web Twitter handle and we've also asked questions on the community tab of, of on, on YouTube. So we'll answer a few of them uh, today. The first question is from Deepesh Malhotra. Um, 
he asks, uh, Metaverse kids, are they going to be more depressed and anxious in the real world? Right. Um, I think we can look at this from the angle of not drawing everyone under the same brush. Like you're going to have people that are going to be happy, like with Metaverse stuff, and you're going to have people that are going to be sad and people that are neutral. But I think the sadder ones some of them may end up being even more sad in the real world. Because like maybe the metaverse pro- provides some kind of comfort and somewhere that they can be somewhere. Escape. Yeah, Escape. yeah, yeah. be somewhere or be someone that they couldn't otherwise be. But then when that's gone and taken away and they're in the real world and they have to be in the real world, then it's like even more of a disparity than they otherwise would have had. So maybe, you know, we could link the same thing to escapism and video games, but I think this may be like a level above that. So um, I think the more depressed may get more depressed, but aside from that, like it's a tool. Uh, it depends on how you use it. It can be used for good and bad. Um, I'd say that's my short answer. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, same, same. I agree with you as well. I think uh, a lot of the cases, uh, it, the tools amplify what we are in real life. Mm-hmm. And sometimes as you mentioned, like people, if people have issues in the real life where they're already depressed and anxious and stressed, the metaverse is going to times it by 100, right? Um, or maybe they'll be very good in the metaverse, but once they leave it, come back to the real world, it'll, it'll just feel way worse than it did before the metaverse. So in terms of kids, though, I think the, the question was about kids. I think, um, uh, you know, like so, there's, there's, there's actually information that the data about social media and kids is not a good pairing. Uh, I think there has to be limited use. So I wouldn't say that kids should be using metaverse as much as, as adults in, yep. in any case. Yeah, so, that's, that's definitely true. Yeah, uh, so I, I wouldn't go there. Um, Ronak asks, uh, why is sci-fi getting so much darker? Um, because it's a reflection of how we view um, ourselves and our trajectory. Because sci-fi usually is like something that happens in the future, right? And... Um, I guess as a collective consciousness, maybe we're a little worried and anxious. So that kind of is reflected in the art that comes out. So if you look at the sci-fi stuff from the 1950s and 60s, it was like flying cars, everyone's happy. Like everyone can is do- Is it so? A lot of them. Well, uh, Actually, for example, like say War of Worlds came out in 1920s. It's like yeah, death the, and destruction. The, the, the world that was like 1920s or? Well, 1920s was the radio show. I think 1930s, not was the radio show. And then there was a. Yeah, if it was 1930s, afterward. that yeah. was a very depressing time because right. they had the Great Depression. World War II was just around the corner. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, I think it's a kind of an, a, uh, a reflection of that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think I think the 50s and 60s had a brighter outlook, mm. I, I would assume. Um, but then, yeah. 1938. Yeah. War of Worlds. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was yeah. like the worst of the worst time. <laughs> So yeah, that was that was um, yeah because in the twenties I remember looking at uh, how what people thought of the future. Mm. Uh, there was like these postcards. It's like this viral thing. I don't know if you saw. Yeah, yeah, but it was the, like the, these the flying 20s, cards and stuff. The twenties was yeah. like uh, human progress was yeah, like yeah. unlimited. Like look at the stuff we're doing. Look at the yeah. economy. It's like yeah. great. Like I think it's literally just a reflection of reflection what people of are feeling mm. at the time. It's an interesting way of looking at it. Um, David Dills asked, "What's your favorite kind of quiche?" <laughs> Quiche, yeah, quiche. I don't. I don't you don't really, like quiche? No, I don't. Oh. Really, I don't really know what it is. You don't know what? <laughs> you know what quiche is? Look, I've heard. I've heard of it, it's, and I know what it looks like. Oh wait, is it like eggs, cheese, and something, yeah. something or other? Yeah. Brayden, teach what Google what quiche is. <laughs> it's just egg and 
something. I don't. I don't like it either. Honestly, it's, yeah. it's too eggy. For yeah, me. Yeah, 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 I love eggs. I'm not a big fan of quiche either. Oh, so. that's a triple no. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, okay. So I, I kind of had a rough idea of what it was, okay. but yeah, it's not a huge okay, fair part enough. of So it's my... not like you didn't know about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it was within the Google's realm of um, <laughs> knowledge. Just. Knowledge. Yeah. Uh, so David, we're sorry if you actually like quiche. Uh, Rashik Islam here. Rashik uh, asks, what's one phone feature that you wish you could bring back? One what? Phone feature that you wish oh. you could bring back. And okay, 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 oh. okay. Okay, <laughs> so, so this isn't one, this isn't one that I had, okay. but this is one that I believe that should be reinvented. So Samsung, back mm-hmm. in 2011, they, they had a phone called the Galaxy Beam, right? Mm-hmm. And then on the top of it had like a powerful projector that you could project at a wall or a ceiling or whatever. And it was pretty, pretty decent. I watched some reviews lately when I was going through yeah. um, the, the most crazy phones. I did a, like a, a video about that. And the reviews were quite positive. They were like, you know, like maybe it's not perfect at the moment, but within a generation, it should be like every phone should have this. Mm. And like, that's what I, that's the feature I think they should bring back. But um, apart from that, yeah, I don't know. Like stereo speakers are like quite common now. Mm. Um yeah, with the cameras, not really any complaints of things that have been taken away. Yeah, I don't know. I think mm. I think you covered the the, the Samsung Bean. We ha- yeah, yeah, yeah I just got started excited yeah. about it. Talk about it again, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, for me, uh, probably headphone jack. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> headphone jack. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like I have yeah. some high end headphones that you know need a jack. So yeah, I I thought I was gonna miss the, the headphone jacks, but I just don't. Do it okay. Anymore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But the thing is you can't like, unless you have wireless charging, I found a lot of the times, like if you have an adapter, mm. like you can't charge while listening to music. But I guess if you're always using wireless, then that's yeah, fine. Yeah, but, yeah. I think, yeah. I think that's the way it's, it's going. That's the way. <laughs> We've got to thank Apple for that. <laughs> yeah. uh, for me, I think it's, um, uh, I use the, the Google Pixel and they used to have a one, like one hand screenshot. So I didn't need to press two buttons. They've taken that away. I, I hate it. Like I hate using two, like mm. I can't use, you know, just take screenshots when I'm like, you know, right. like on the bus or something. Yeah. Or I just don't have the other hand free. Right. So that's a feature I definitely bring back. Actually, well, now, now that you say that, that reminded me of something. So on Samsung phones, um, you used to be able to swipe from the top right corner or top left corner. And then that would automatically take whatever app it is into a window. Mm. That was the easiest way to do it, but they've gotten rid of that. And they have to swipe up and then click the button on the floating panel and then uh, press a button and then it goes to window. And it's like, so I don't know if they use data for, for these decisions, I don't, but I don't know. if they just, have the boardroom meetings and be like, nope, we're just taking it away. Okay. Uh, and do, do, do the, the verdict style. Verdict. Yeah. <laughs> the, the through the word verdict style. Um, Casey and Andor ask, in the future, will there only be two internets, one led by the US and one led by China? Hmm. hmm. I've never, it's a good question. A very yeah, good question. I've never thought about that. Um, maybe there'll be even more. Mm, Russia. Mm. Yeah, well, Russia, I think they did say there was some, like, I just remember it very roughly. There was some plan. There's this of doing video something. by Tech Alter. I think he was just talking about that right. uh, this week. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I heard about that, like, during the, the height of the war, which is still mm. going on. But yeah, um, I, I think that obviously it's not going to be one because I doubt, unless something drastically changes, that China is going to let their population be exposed to all, mm. all the internet. I think that's a, a no no. So there'll be at least two. But Will there be more? I, mm. I don't know. Um, that that's the way I see it. I don't think there'll be one, but there'll be two or more. So greater than two, greater yeah, than yeah. E- or equal to two. I agree. 
Um, Kitty underscore gamer 23 asks thoughts on the future of online anonymity. Well, you're doing it perfectly fine there, Kitty. Um, yeah, I think it's probably going to be an uphill battle to keep it. Mm. So I think we're going to get more and more integrated with our identifications here in the real world, whether it's your country ID, yeah. Um, yeah, your address and stuff. I think for one reason or another, that's going to kind of become the norm. And uh, I don't think it's the greatest idea, but I think that's just the way things are going. What, in terms of authenticating? Yeah, so like whether whether it's, um, I don't know, I guess it's, it might be to like quell the, the spread of, hate or disinformation yeah. or just make people more accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just the way it's going to go. That's what it feels like yeah. to me. Yeah. How about no, yourself? I, I agree. I agree. I think it's going to be difficult to, to keep it as it is mm. uh, with complete, uh, you know, being, being an, uh, no one on, on the internet mm. as a user. I think it needs, well, I don't know if it needs to be, but there will, there might be some level of authentication required. Uh, we already have that through, you know, two-factor authentication yeah, and stuff yeah. where they... But th- that's that's security, still, not so much your true, identity. True, true. Yeah. But I think something of that sort where you're not giving away complete uh, information, but some way oh, to see, still, still track your mm. movements in some ways. Yeah, I don't but know. That, that, as you're saying that, that's like one of the uh, methods, I mean, one of the core principles of the blockchain where it's like pseudo identity yeah. where it's like you have a, a number that's given to you, but it doesn't yeah. give away who you are, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Um, but then I guess like, yeah, if law enforcement wanted to find out what that number was attached to, they could yeah, do it. So, yeah. Yeah. so something of that sort. Mm. Um, what are the coming, Sujan Acharya says, uh, what are the coming future technology that excites you and are we heading towards the dominance of AI? I think the second part of the question, I think, um, yeah, the AI is, is pretty, pretty dominant. I think it'll be le- like that. Uh, it'll probably get, get, get more, but in terms of future technology that I'm excited for, um, I would like to say quantum computers, um, but purely in a scientific sense in terms of the problems that it could solve that we've been trying for like a century to do. Um, as soon as that comes online, I think some exciting stuff will happen. But apart from that, um, very um, capable and portable VR, I think that will be yeah. r- really awesome as well. Like where you just put on the headset um, and that's it. And it's spider, like, spider headset VRs. Yeah. Yes. With spiders coming over. Um, yeah. But like, I'm sure there's a lot of other things I could list that I can't think of right now, but like, I think those are the two main ones for me. How yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think, I think for, for me, it's also something that allows us to involve a lot more of the, of the touch and feel sort of things. Mm. I think um, using more gestures uh, in the way we, we control the, the tech would be, would be interesting. Mm. Uh, you know, next step. From here, I think sometimes I feel like, oh, if I can just do that, you know, swap my hand from left to right and just everything will be right. <laughs> done for me kind of thing. Are you so talking about in VR or what? Like, uh, it doesn't have to be VR. I okay. think I think without VR would probably be a uh, cool. Okay. But I think there's people, uh, Google and Facebook's been working towards neural um, ways of like neural wristbands to which you can control gesture as well. Um, okay. That's something that we can. We can do, do you remember uh, on, I think it was on the, Pixel device that used to have that. Um, yeah, yeah. What was it called? Uh, Swipe gestures or something. No, but like it was that. there was a chip, a special chip that Google made to enable that to happen, um, and they got rid of it. I think it was like called Oli. I can't mm. remember, but anyway, that was just something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you want to ask the questions, uh, do make sure to check out the community side of things uh, on our YouTube channel. If you're listening in, do make sure that you know we've got the YouTube 
video where you can check out the video side of things um, and also a Twitter handle um, as well. But before we go, I actually have a final question for you from, from me. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, again, a bit of context for people who are just listening and don't know Cold Fusion or what Cold Fusion is. Cold Fusion is a channel that does deep dive into tech and the innovative world of, of you know, tech, business, science, mm-hmm. um, things of that sort. We've been doing it for, for a while now. Um, three 0.3 million subscribers. Um, those who know, you already know who, <laughs> who is. Just add that context because I think you've you've been involved in this world of media and tech, and you are responsible in putting a lot of information to a big audience. Do you consider yourself a journalist? And if you do, do you feel a lot more weight on your shoulders uh, to to be that that middleman of information? Mm, um. I'll answer the second question first. Uh, lately, I'm starting to feel more weight, but only because of the political tornado that's going on. Right. It's kind of like, you know, every word that you say can be read a certain way mm. um, and things that you do or don't say, people can read into it too much, but not to the extent of like I'm purposely trying to do something, but kind of like to this extent where it's like um, unreasonable, mm. like, you know, people just get angry over, over nothing and it, you know, you try to like not let it, you know, affect yeah. you, but it's like, you know, why? Like, why? You know, it's strange. Um, so yeah, I do feel the pressure in that area. Um, and do I consider myself a journalist? I guess in sorts, if you call a journalist trying to get to the bottom of a story or um, trying to, you know, get reliable sources to bring information across, then yes, in that sense. Right. Mm. Cool. Well, that was my question. Very um, nice. And I think that's the end of the show. (laughs) That is the end of the show. So thanks so much for listening, guys, and for watching. And until next time, catch you later.